Chapter Number 10, Part 2 of Dot and Tot of Maryland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Adamson. Dot and Tot of Maryland by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Number 10 The Queen of Maryland. In a remarkably short time the carriage reached the gate and stopped short, and now the children's eyes were big with wonder as they looked upon it and its occupants. The carriage itself was of the kind that are sold in toy shops, and it was drawn by two horses standing upon wooden platforms with rollers underneath, so that instead of the horses themselves running, the wheels of the platforms whirled around taking the carriage wherever the driver might direct. This driver looked for all the world like a rag doll dressed in a coachman's uniform. His neck was rather weak, and that caused his head to lean slightly to one side, giving him a somewhat broken-down appearance. But he held the reins firmly in his stuffed hands and looked straight ahead like a well-trained servant. Seated in the carriage was the loveliest wax doll the children had ever looked upon. She was nearly as big as Tot, and was exquisitely dressed in a gown of soft, fluffy white material, with many pink ribbons upon her shoulders and sleeves, and a broad sash round her waist. Her silken hair was long and of a golden color, while her eyes were blue and had in their depths a sweet and gentle expression. As for her complexion, it was a dainty pink and white, delicately blended. Upon her head she wore a golden crown with seven points upon it, and each point was tipped with a gleaming jewel. Almost at first sight Dot longed to hold the wax doll in her arms and love and fondle her, and Tot suddenly became so bashful that he took off his hat and bowed his head to the sweet lady, as he called her, with his eyes bent upon the ground. Yet scarcely had the children taken a good look at this delightful creature when the wax doll leaped lightly from the carriage and stood before them, showing, as she did so, that her feet were clad in white satin slippers embroidered with silver. "'Who are you?' she asked in a pleasant voice. But with some anxiety, Dot thought, and how did you ever get to Maryland?' "'We came in a boat,' replied the girl. "'And this is my friend, Tot Thompson, and I am Dot Freeland.' "'Dot Freeland,' murmured Tot, shyly lifting his eyes and nodding his head. "'But you shouldn't have come here,' said the little lady. "'This is private property, and I have placed guards to prevent anyone entering my valleys.' "'Are you the queen?' asked the girl. "'Yes, I am the queen of all Maryland, and I cannot understand why my guards have disobeyed my orders.' "'Oh, the guards were all right,' said Dot. "'It was we who disobeyed,' but we really couldn't help it, for we had to go wherever the boat carried us. Then she told the queen all the story of their adventures, and of how they had been carried by accident into the valleys of Maryland. After she had heard the story, the little lady looked puzzled for a moment, and then said, No one who enters my kingdom should ever be allowed to leave it again, for if they did, the world should soon know all about me and my people. If that happened, all our comfort and fun would be spoiled, for strangers would be coming here every day. Have strangers been here before? 
asked Dot timidly. Never, answered the queen. Then what are you going to do with us? inquired the girl. Really, I do not know. You see, I am so perplexed that I have stopped smiling, and that will never do in the world. For should the weather change and cool my wax, I would remain solemn until it warmed up again, and my people would then think me unworthy to be the queen of Maryland. I'm sorry to have caused you so much trouble, said Dot softly. I'd much rather be at home again, if I could, although your valleys are so queer and delightful. Then the queen again smiled upon them. Don't worry, my dear, she exclaimed brightly. I'll find some way out of our difficulty when I have used my thinking machine. Until then, you must come to my palace and be treated as my guests. Thank you, said Dot and Tot together. The queen turned to the wooden captain and commanded, Escort these strangers to my royal palace, and see that you treat them most politely, for, although they are in reality my prisoners, they have been guilty of no intentional wrong and seem to be nice children. The wooden captain removed his wooden hat and bowed very low, so low indeed that Tot could see the peg on the top of his head that held the hat on when it was in place. "'Your Majesty's command shall be obeyed,' he said. Then the Queen stepped into her carriage. The rag coachman cracked his whip, and the wheels of the horse's platform began spinning around. Then the Queen rode swiftly up the street to her royal palace. Dot and Tot followed more slowly, for the captain who escorted them was exceedingly small and walked stiffly, having no joints in his knees. As they trudged along, Tot asked the captain, "'Why do the horses go on wheels?' "'Because they're made that way, I suppose,' was the reply. "'Why don't they make them to walk on their legs?' continued the boy. "'It would tire them too much,' answered the captain. "'Being on platforms, the horses never get tired. "'You see, for the wheels do all the work.' "'Oh,' said Tot, "'I see.' "'Then after a pause he asked, "'What do you feed them?' "'Cotton,' answered the captain. "'We keep them quite full of it all the time.' That's what makes them look so plump and healthy. What do they feed horses on in your country? Hay, said Tot. We tried stuffing ours with hay once, remarked the captain, but it made their skins look lumpy. It was so coarse. So now we use cotton altogether. I see, said Tot again in a rather bewildered voice. The street they were walking upon was smooth and level and the houses they passed were neat and pretty. But both the children noticed there were no people to be seen anywhere about the village. This seemed strange, and Dot was about to ask who lived in the houses when they arrived at the gate of the palace, upon which the captain knocked three times with the handle of his wooden sword. Thereupon the gate opened slowly, and they passed into a beautiful flower garden, and walked along the green-bordered paths until they came to the high-arched doorway of the palace. Dot had only time to notice there were seven golden stars above the doorway when the queen herself appeared and led them through a hall into her drawing-room, having dismissed the wooden captain with a nod of her royal head. Although the house was by far the biggest one in the valley, the tops of the doors were only a little way above Dot's head, 
and when the children sat down in the drawing room, they chose the biggest chairs and found them just about the right size. Now, my dear, said the pretty queen, it is almost dinner time, and I know you must be nearly starved, so I will have you shown at once to your rooms, and when you have bathed your faces and brushed your clothes, you shall have something nice to eat. She touched a bell that stood upon a table nearby, and at once there came into the room a little boy doll, dressed in a brown suit with brass buttons. He was larger in size than any doll Tot had seen outside of Maryland, yet he was not so big as the queen herself. When the children looked at him closely, they could see that his face and hands and feet were knitted from colored worsteds, while his eyes were two big black beads. This curious doll walked straight up to the queen and bowed before her, while she said, Scallops, show this young man to the laughing chamber and wait upon him while he arranges his toilet. Scallops, as the knitted boy seemed named, bowed again and murmured, Your majesty shall be obeyed. Then, turning to Tot, he took his hand and led him from the room. The hand felt soft and woolly to Tot, but he did not object to it, for Scallops had a merry expression onto his face that won the little boy's heart at once. Where are we going, he asked, as they began to mount the stairs. To the laughing chamber, replied Scollops, and having reached the top of the stairs, they walked down a long hallway and entered a room so odd and pretty that Tot stopped short and gazed at it in astonishment. In many ways it was like an ordinary room, for it contained a dresser, a bed, chairs, and a table, but upon the wall were painted hundreds of heads of children, boys and girls of all countries, with light and dark hair, straight and curly hair, blue and black and brown and gray eyes, and all with laughing faces. The posts of the bed were also carved into laughing baby faces. The chairs in the dresser showed a face upon every spot where there was a place for one, and every face throughout the whole room had a smile upon it. To match the rest of the furniture, the carpet had woven upon it, in bright colors, all kinds of laughing children's faces. And the effect of the queer room was to make Tot himself laugh until the tears rolled down his cheeks. When the boy had looked the room over and seen all the faces, Scollops helped him to wash his hands and face, to comb his hair and to brush his clothes, and when this task was finished, the woolly doll said, I will now show you why this room is called the laughing chamber. Lie down upon the bed a moment and don't get your shoes against the clean covers. Tot lay down upon the bed and at once heard a sweet tinkling chorus of laughter coming from every part of the room. It was so delightful and soothing that he listened to it rapture. Softly his eyes closed and in another moment he would have been sound asleep had not Scallops raised him to his feet and said, It is not time for sleep yet, for you haven't had your dinner, but the laughing faces will make you slumber peacefully when the time comes, and give you pleasant dreams, too. End of chapter 10 Recording by Paul Adamson in the Wichita Mountains of Oklahoma